Welcome back to the Ask Me podcast. It's been a while. We took a short break from recording, but we're definitely back with a bang. Today, we'll be discussing the UK net zero carbon building standard with the chair, David Partridge. The standard, perhaps one of the most eagerly anticipated pieces of work the industry never knew it needed until the sustainability boom over the course of the last two years. I'm joined as always by my right-hand man, Chris Newman, Zero Carbon Design Team Manager, and a new guest of the show, we welcome John Locke. What John doesn't know about Mitsubishi Electric isn't worth knowing. But today, our main focus is obviously yourself, David, so thanks so much for taking some time out of your busy schedule, and I want to kick things off with a um, very wide question, who is David Partridge? So a bit of background about yourself, please, David. Well... Thanks very much indeed for the opportunity to, to to come and speak, and I really appreciate you giving me this platform to talk about uh, really to talk about the standard, not about myself, but for, very briefly. Um, I'm an architect by training, uh, although I have actually been uh, at Argent and now related Argent for uh, over 30 years. I was uh, the chief executive for about half that time, and I've now um, become chairman of the related Argent business. Um, we've obviously been working all over the UK. Um, we're a specialist in city centre regeneration, um, working first of all in Birmingham, uh, up in Manchester for, uh, for for many years, and obviously more recently here in London at King's Cross, and our next big projects up at uh, Brent Cross and uh, and elsewhere. So um, I, I stepped back from executive, being an executive a couple of two or three years ago to the chairmanship role, thought, great, I can retire gently into the background and I am busier than I've ever been uh, in the last couple of years, primarily by taking on this chairmanship of the governance board of the of, of, of the standard, uh, which is an incredible um, uh, initiative, which we am delighted we have a chance to talk about today. Awesome. So it sounds like a, a busy day job on top of uh, the, the business as usual, so to speak, and then it's exactly. a net zero carbon building standard, which we're going to refer to um, is a tongue twister, so we're gonna we're gonna go with the standard for for this podcast. Um, and nod to Chris and John. Welcome both to the podcast, Chris. Perhaps just for our listeners, another brief overview: who you are, um, where you come from. Yeah, thanks, Dan. Um, always nice to be here. Um, appreciate the invite. I'm looking forward to chatting to to David, uh, John, and yourself um, over the next twenty minutes, half an hour or so. Uh, as you know from my appearance on the podcast before, my job at Mitsubishi Electric is uh, zero carbon design team manager so I get involved in early stage projects and trying to help steer our clients down the uh, the low and zero carbon route to try and get their buildings where they need to be uh, hence why we're so interested in in the standard and the uh, the benefits that might bring so uh, yeah Fair good to have you back and thanks for coming down from from the Wirral as well we're recording this today in the Argent's office which I must say um, are, are Lovely. So thanks for having us here. Uh, John, over to you. Just a brief um, introduction to, to who you are, please. Uh, John Nock. Um, I've got the joy of working very close to you two. My focus, Mitsubishi, I've done many roles, is very focused at the moment on sustainability. Uh, consider myself, or the industry considers it me now, uh, a generalist in a specialism. And Rachel and Chris and all the people I work with will always hear me talk about applied start, uh, sustainability and that's how we decarbonise buildings, new ones that are going to be built but also ones that need to be retrofitted so that we can get to to net zero. Um thing that I'm a big advocate of is sharing our homework. Uh, I'm forever reminding people, don't assume that if you've got come up with something good about helping to decarbonise any, any, any building, share it. 
because people have problems. Um, I was at a meeting with Chris yesterday and we were talking uh, about lots of things and it's just evident that people... In this, you can say what problems that you're having when it gets to sustainability. You can share it because someone else might have had that problem and solved it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think it's, that's a really nice segue when we're talking about sharing our homework and collaboration of uh, let's really get under the bonnet of, of the standard. Um, I think a good place to start with is, is the why. So, David, back over to you. If you don't mind, why has this standard been created in the first instance? Why has this been created? Who's created it? And um, I suppose, who's it for? Well, it's interesting that you um, introduced it as uh, the, the most important thing that the industry didn't know it needed. Um, because the truth is, the industry hasn't needed it for an incredibly long time. You mentioned the word sustainability. What does that mean? How do you measure it? Um, we've talked about net zero carbon uh, more increasingly, obviously, over the last few years. Sustainability has had, you know, from 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago, it had lots of different uh, different imperatives, but the, in the need to reduce greenhouse gases is essentially something that has become um, absolutely paramount. And we've realized that now over the last few years. Um, and interestingly, I uh, was chair of the trustees of the UK Green Building Council about six or seven years ago. And at that time, we were kind of a voice crying in the wilderness trying to explain to people how important this was. Fast forward two or three years, and we're not telling people how important it is. We're now being asked, okay, so how do we go about reducing mm. GHGs, which is effectively net zero carbon is the shorthand for all greenhouse gases. Um, so, so, so that's what the standard is, is trying to do. Mm -hmm. It's trying to basically establish a single metric mm -hmm. for how you calculate the greenhouse gas emissions from your um uh your projects so that's both new build and retrofit it includes embodied carbon and operational carbon so it will work on a whole life cycle basis so it's trying to capture all of it and i think a few years ago the idea of net zero was really just around operational um and people are beginning to realize that that's just not going to be enough especially as the grid moves towards decarbonizing itself you could just go all right that's it we'll just wait for the grid to do all the hard work and uh, sit back put lots of your uh, air source heat pumps in or whatever it might be and and then and never, never have to do anything more we need yeah. we all know we need to do more than that yeah so 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 it's this it's this idea of coming up with a um with a measurement that everybody understands everybody agrees and you again alluded to this about sharing homework what is fantastic about this uh standard is the vast collaboration that has gone into um, in, into formulating it from professions from across the entire professional scope of of year all, all all of the all of the people who work within the design of of buildings so the the RICS the RIBA SIBSI the mm -hmm. Institute of Structural Engineers the Better Building Partnership um, Letty the you know the Low Energy Transformation Initiative the BFR three hundred people Carbon Trust I mean. Yeah. The name, sorry, the acronym's kind of tripping off. UK Green Building UK GBC, thank you. I always forget one and then I get in trouble from them afterwards. But yeah, so, and yes, yeah, so hundreds of people have mm. put up um, really valuable pro bono time in order to, 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 to cover this. And now we're in a place where we actually want to be able to get all that professional work that in effect has been working to actually set the standard and look at the parameters and the limits 
um, and get that out to the entire um, ecosystem yeah. of, of of real estate through from bankers. I, yesterday I was talking at a conference uh, for, the, for, for the big real estate bankers and finance uh, 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 organizations across the whole of the uh, the whole of Europe, actually, um, through to the investors, through to the pension funds, through to the developers, right down to the people who are actually going to be delivering. So hence you guys and your um, supply chain and your clients, contractors and and, and, and other contractors, et cetera. So, so we want everybody to both understand it and contribute to it. And that way we hope it will be completely widely adopted and become literally the standard. Yeah, that's what we want. So it's written by the industry, it's by the for industry, the industry. And as we were talking about before, you know, what does good look like? Well, in theory, the standard will at least provide some definitions as to what a good building looks like. Not only will it tell you what good looks like, it'll actually tell you how to calculate and to prove that you are being good. Because I think this is the area that we're most concerned about was the greenwashing around a lot of people choosing whichever criteria they want to that best suits their own particular um, situation. And then no one being able to compare a claim for net zero over here with another claim for net zero over there because one thing might have included a bit of operational, another one was just focusing on 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 embodied or, or whatever um you know some of it used offset some of it didn't some of it was trial offset down to a level rather than you know actually making sure that they didn't um emit you know didn't emit the, the, the carbon in the first place so that's the point not only is it tell you what good looks like it tells you how to calculate good and how to prove it will it, will it tell you how to ask for it one of the things that we always come across is is this uh, sense of common language and not really knowing how to ask for what you actually want. Um, we always sound off, and I think we're all guilty in sustainability, we sound off in this echo chamber and assume that everybody understands what some of, some of these acronyms are. Will the standard assist clients, let's say, in how to ask for a net zero building? Yeah, because of that, that's the whole point of it being adopted by everybody who I've just, just, just mm -hmm. described. In fact, I was having a conversation with uh, colleagues of mine this morning about funding uh, one of our projects up, up at Brent Cross. Mm -hmm. We have been given for the first time a, um, a a potential loan from one of the big high street banks, and they're going to knock 15 basis points off our interest rate if we achieve what they've called a green loan. Wow. Now, there are various criteria at the moment for what that green loan is. Their criteria is going to be different from a different bank's criteria, or it's going to be different from another financier's criteria. But the object of the exercise is that all they have to do in the future is say, just make sure you conform with the um, UK net zero carbon building standard, then that will be the criteria that sets the benchmark for the savings that we can make on interest rates of all the value that that can accrues to a building. Sure. And therefore, people will be able to ask for it because they'll say, well, my funders are telling me I need to have this. My clients and my tenants are telling me I need it. I, I You guys came up with this, so come on, deliver it for me. Um, and that's why we need to be sure that the entire ecosystem is basically on the, you know, on the same page on this one, which is the objective behind, yeah, perfect. behind the standard. And I guess from Mitsubishi Electric's perspective, looking at you, John and Chris, we've been involved in this, I suppose, indirectly by by uh, providing data to, to those that have been involved in task groups, task groups uh, technical steering groups. But why are we sat here? Why do we want to be involved? What's exciting you, John, about the, the, the standard? 
because of the minefield that we have to navigate. If it's the Reba 2030 challenge, if it's me, um, uh, if you if you work into the Reba Total Works, there's so many different things now. And if you if if you're a, sort of an asset manager or you've got an estate, you can't risk that estate becoming stranded. Uh, we 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 were joking last time we talked briefly about the madness of why a, a commercial building has got the same energy rating as a as a refrigerator. I just think that minefield is needless. So for me, the standard, that unification is about making it simpler. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, we talk quite often about trying to separate energy use from carbon emissions and separate both of those from efficiency. These are all different metrics that different clients are using. You know, for example, if you want a neighbor's high star rated building, then it's all about reducing your energy use intensity per square meter of your building. As John mentioned there, if you're trying to meet the REBA 2030 climate challenge, it might be, yes, partly about your EUI, but also about reducing your embodied carbon. And then there's other technical standards. Maybe you're trying to get a BREAM outstanding building or and, and all of these different variations. It, it's really difficult for us as a manufacturer because we've got designers coming to us saying, right, we're working on Project X. These are the client's requirements. These are the employer's requirements. We need data for this. We're, we're working towards that. Then a different project where they want slightly different data presented in a slightly different way. Um, so for us, where the really important thing is, what we want to do is to be able to provide some kind of um, useful information that is um, being asked for by multiple different people, which makes it a lot easier for us to put the time and money into producing that information rather than as we get at the moment, very different requests from different clients on different projects for different things that are important to them for different reasons. So the standard will hopefully bring that all together, you know? That's absolutely the intention. That's absolutely the intention. So so, so the, the, the key thing, you've mentioned two or three initiatives there, which are all ones. So because the BRE are on the uh, are both on the government's board and, and in the technical steering groups, when they bring out BRIAM version 7, there yeah. will be a net zero element to that. We will ensure that the standard, by comparison, by proving conformity to the standard, that will effectively give you that, you know, piece of that module. Yeah. Be Briam then does look at a few other things, which the standard doesn't do. You mentioned neighbors. Um, one of the things we will do is we will say one way of conforming to the operational element of the standard is to is if you can prove that you are neighbors five or whatever it is, star rating, yeah. that in itself becomes teamed to satisfy. You mentioned the RIBA 2030 climate. Um, they are going to adapt their next version of that. will say, in order to achieve X and Y and Z, comply with the standard. RICs have just um, published their own um, yeah, whole life. We're using exactly the same methodology. The people who yeah. wrote that, two of three of them are already you know within the technical steering group for the standard. So, so what we're looking at here is a huge alignment of all these various different bodies coming together and just saying yeah we appreciate that in the past UKGBC was saying this and it was slightly different from BRE and that was slightly different from Reba and that was slightly different from RICS by bringing them all together we're all on the same page that will make it so much easier for the people who are going to be using the standard so the banks the mm -hmm. developers the big institutions and ultimately for people like yourselves who can go right okay now we know that what we're all looking to do is to demonstrate conformity with that metric. We only have to do this once. Mm -hmm. And we know that when we give you information on this particular 
you know, the output, the way that it's going to be used is going to be the same, you know, it's going to, you know, and hopefully that simplicity will kind of revolutionize the way that, um, and make it so much easier for the, ultimately for the standard to achieve what it wants to do, which is net zero across the whole, across the whole industry, because we all know we can actually work to the same, I think same number. Really exciting. Um, it's almost as if you could replicate this in schools, every student would get an A star, wouldn't they? It really is sharing, it, it really is sharing homework. You don't get A stars anymore, John. No, no, no. With, with teenage daughters, it's actually be a nine you get now. Which... My granddad's seven times up. <laughs> so just just to recap on on that or summarise that initial piece of we, we started with the why is to create this standard that's been created uh, for the industry by the industry. It's been created by over three hundred individuals, all working within either the governance board, the technical steering groups, the task groups, the sector groups all putting in um, a lot of hard work and lots of data to come up with the standard. Um, I'm, I'm going to pull a piece, uh, a phrase from, from the standard and it says, create consistent definitions and trajectories preventing unfound uh, net zero carbon claims. So how are you going to regulate this? How is it? Is it is this, are you expecting the government to come on board here? Are you sort of walk around with a, with a, with a tick board and, and ticking and say, right, you've met the standard, great, you're a net zero carbon building. Where, where are you going from that perspective? So, so we ha- we, we ha- we, government knows what we're doing, but obviously at the moment government is not in, in a position to, 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 to bring any sort of um, legislation around. Very, very pleased to answer, David. Well done. Oh, no, I, I, didn't. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, from a building regs point of view, the Building Safety Act is, yep. is, is the key thing, and that's where they've quite rightly been totally focusing their attention um, on the planning side because that's the other way that potentially it could be imposed um, yeah that 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 we we don't know until after the next election depending on who's going to be there before before planning is going to be revisited there's every chance that 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 might be another route for future building standards yeah, in 2020 I think that won't be as uh, that won't ask for as much as we as we want to be honest I think that's just they're on they're on a journey of their own to getting to a point um, where they can go for proper net zero as opposed to, you know, individual increments. Um, so no, so, so, so really it's about the industry saying we're using this. So when the government does turn around and go, oh, okay, blimey, we better legislate on this, we can say, well, we're already doing it. This yeah, is and, and the entire industry is adopting it. The, the, you know, the, fi- the finance is adopting it, you're adopting it, mm-hmm. and, and the contractors are adopting it, but... The, uh, the 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 designers are adopting it. So so that's the intention is to is self pleasing self please. I didn't know. Yeah, and your point about about how is that actually going to happen? To be honest, we haven't actually finalised that. And one of the reasons why um, I, I'm really really pleased with the fact that you guys are um, supporting this through 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 your sponsorship is that part of that is for us to come back. Where we've got to at the moment is we feel that we're in a position very soon, probably in, in, in December, to begin to start publishing our first kind of ideas about where the performance levels are going to end up uh, landing. We've also been doing the work, cause a bit of work, as you probably know, from the sort of top down, as it were, where what we've done is we have taken a model of the science-based targets that say yeah, how much, how much um, uh, uh, carbon can be emitted um, in order to stay within one and a half degrees climate change by 2050. You take that total budget, as it's called, divide it down into how much of that can come from the UK, then say how much of that can come from real estate, and then divide that out sector by sector. 
So that's the kind of top-down piece of work. Yep. The bottom-up has been taking all that data that you've talked about from those thousands. There's 300 people within the standard. That hundreds, oh, yeah. Thousands of people have actually contributed data on top of that. They're working out the performance levels. And then what we're going to do is we're going to try and match the top-down with the bottom-up and say, okay, that sets the limits. We should be in a position to do that um, kind of in most sectors, uh, certainly before, hopefully before the end of the year. Our next job is, okay, right, having done that, we've then got to write all that up. We will look for more data in some sectors where we haven't, haven't got the data yet. Mm -hmm. And then we need to think about, okay, so how do we police this? How will we verify this in the future? What will be the program? Will it be something that any um, competent professional can go along, whether they're an architect, a Revo or a Ricks or a wherever, a, or engineer um, you know, qualified, go, okay, I'm going to get an extra qualification. I'm going to become a standard verifier. Or will it be an individual body that actually, um, you know, hands out hands out that verification? To be honest, we haven't quite decided that yet. But what I want to do is come and talk to the industry and say, how would it work for you if you had to demonstrate conformity or compliance with this standard? What sort of, you know, reports? What sort of data are you going to be providing? Because that will then tell us how do you verify it? Because we'll then be able to go, okay. This is all the sort of information that we're going to have. What kind of individual can sit down and verify that all of that lot is is true? Makes, and, and it really need to hear from you about that about that piece as well. Makes makes complete sense. I've been looking at Reba in various conversations with Chris over the last couple of years. We've seen Reba in its original format from the nineteen sixties, through when it was changed in two thousand and ten. There was more of a compliance view of it, but seeing Reba sort of. 2020 as it is now there's more of a governance there where people are taking responsibility as a mm. project goes through the stages yeah. so it's almost like it could be self-policing to a degree well i mean i think i think the buildings the building we talked about the building safety act i, I think i think how that's policed might in itself become a bit of a template from how the standard could be you know you have to have responsible people within that that kind of hold the health and safety and the building safety you know uh, uh case and it may be that you have responsible people who are responsible for car, you know, well, maybe, maybe we'll have a green thread that goes through the buildings rather than the yeah. golden thread they talk about for yeah. the building safety standard. We'll have a green thread where from design through yeah. to yeah. compliance through to um, actual de project delivery. And then more importantly, as we're talking about standard measurement, exactly. Yeah. Not so we don't end up with the performance gap that we've got now between model and reality. We're actually following it right through, taking measurements on site from meters, proving the 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 targets or the uh, the limits that we talk about for the standard are, met, are being met. And that's a really important point there. Actually, when this is not a standard that you um, uh, comply with just at practical completion, this is one that you ha can only finally achieve uh, within a year of occupation. So you have to be able to demonstrate that you've actually you know that the the, the, the energy performance of your of your uh, the environmental performance of, of your asset. Uh, is 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 in accordance with what you were planning it to be, and you need will need to refresh it as well from time to time. So I think it's you know we don't want a, something to just fall off the cliff after a year. Um, people will be required to come back um, uh, and prove their yep. their, their their conformity. How the blue is being used, what is yeah. being used for yeah. landlords and tenants are going to change, and it ties in quite nicely to to, to my sort of next question or topic point is building typologies and sectors. How have you broken this down into the more complex buildings, perhaps one with that are grade listed or of heritage? Have you got a particular 
framework that you're using for those buildings and, and how have you guys approached that? So there are 14 different sectors in all. One of them is that is a, is a heritage one. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I don't know yet exactly how much data we've had on each. Sure. And it may be that there are a few that we still need a little bit more information. Mm-hmm. So that is one of the most difficult ones. Yeah. Has, has that been the challenge, sorry, to cut across it? Getting the data. So in some cases, yeah. yeah. Get, getting is. the case studies and getting the... Yeah, getting enough data to be able to be um, definitive about the performance levels. Because we don't, we don't want to... We want to know what's really happening. We don't want to just kind of go, oh, yeah, you know, we expect to get to X or Y or Z. We have the same problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so we will we will genuinely make sure that if we haven't got the data, we won't set the standard for that particular sector until we do. But that shouldn't stop us getting the other, you know, 10 or 12 or whatever it is through. And so I think we've got to ensure that the methodology will be the same for each one. Mm-hmm. But we should grab the, the, the areas that, you know, where we've got a ton of data on kind of, you know, obviously homes and offices and where you know warehouses and 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 um, industrial and other other things, and each of those is very different. And that's the point about trying to break down <clears throat> the science-based target into a much more granular and more appropriate limit, because it's crazy just to say everything's got to be at X. When you know, if you're living in a you know your 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 asset is a hospital versus your asset being. Um, you know, a retail warehouse or, or, or a warehouse on its own. I mean, they're so different. Mm. You know, one of you can put PVs all over your roof and generate a ton of electricity, whereas the other's, you know, using literally, you know, tons and tons and tons of, 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 of energy to, to provide the service that's required for those people in there. So you can't set them the same standard. And so that's, that's what we're trying to do with this, what I call the graphic equalizer of the, uh, of the, of the science-based tool that, that will set different targets for different for different um, sectors. I like that analogy. The, the graphic able of the the yeah, you, there's no one cap fits all. And that, and the whole point is that as long as all together we stay below one and a half degrees. Yeah, some buildings might. So and that might be some of the listed ones. You have to say, well, look, you know what? We're not going to ask everybody to triple glaze, you know, mm. St Paul's Cathedral, are we? You know, and and so so they will be allowed, so to speak, a sure. a, a higher bit. But other other areas where you know, they can be much, the, the, the evidence that we gather has shown us that they're capable of achieving a much lower, um, uh, you know, much lower, uh, you know, uh, 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 kind of carbon emissions. Well, well, we'll give them a lower limit because we know you're capable of doing it and mm-hmm. we're not penalizing you for it. We're just saying, great, well done. We're rewarding. Everybody needs to do as much as they Everybody can. needs to do as much as they can. Now, obviously, we all need to make sure it does equal out. So it's, you know, um, but that that's the bit of work that we're doing. For, for us as a manufacturer, one of the things that we're trying to do is put features and uh, into products that will then work moving forward. So being able to meter and measure and monitor and report individually on on the performance of, of a heating system a cooling system a ventilation system etc to feed that data in is, is the innovation that we need to be making and in the meantime as i said before about being able to provide the data in a format that's useful and helpful that everybody's using in the same way because we want to be part of the solution and not part of the problem here it's great that we make some technology that might be useful in decarbonizing buildings but as i said we've got to find a way to make it easy to integrate easy to use um, and easy for, for people to get the information that they need when they're pulling this together. And, and, and that's exactly the stage that we're at now, is, is, is bringing all that up together and making sure that the entire supply chain understands that and then reports in the same way so that the metrics that come through 
make it simple for for someone to aggregate all that information together and then and then put it forward for 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 verification again talking to the banks and others the one thing they all say is please don't just give me another standard that i have to comply with along with all the other ones that i'm already doing to your point about people yeah, asking yeah. different things the whole time we've got to know we you know we want to know what you're doing already and how can we adapt that or tweak that to make sure that 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 information is the is the information that then gets used mm. um, so that everybody's on the same page so there's, I just want to quickly go back and ask about the, the 1.5 trajectory. And I know the standard has been set to meet that 1.5 trajectory. Um, slightly more complex question, perhaps, with, with a few more intricacies than than how I'm going to ask the question. But science would suggest we're, we're not really going to be on track for this one and a half degrees. Or we're perhaps going to be a lot closer to 2.7 if we carry on with our current trajectory. So would that mean that if you were to re- release the standard in Q1 next year, the standard is almost outdated before it's even released. If you're setting to a 1.5 degree limit, yeah, we're almost going to be surpassing that. Now, I appreciate that the bureau environment is only one part of this piece of the puzzle that will get us to 1.5 degrees. But I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Well, that's, that's a bit like asking the Bank of England whether they really need <laughs> to be aiming for two percent, uh, 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 you know, infl- you know, inflation. Just wanted to stir the pot a bit. I know. Then you asked him. <laughs> And they would have never admit to, that to anything other than the fact that their, that the target that they have been set is two percent, and that's what they will go for. Sure. Um, and if you allow for a slightly different target, guess what? You've already, you know, lost lost the battle. Mm. That is the target that is out there. That mm. is the one that has been internationally adopted. We should do everything we can to achieve it. And the latest stuff. I'll do better, in fact, because I mean, the reality of, as you say, is that we are only one. You know, the UK yeah. one small bit. The you know the built environment is a quite a big bit. Yeah, I was going to say the stat is yeah. it's about the latest stat I've seen. It's got twenty three percent of um, carbon emissions, operational carbon emissions, yeah. come from the non domestic built. Yeah, stuff. and then you end up it's like so it, I could hear anything between thirty seven and forty percent when you then kind of bring in all the other bits and pieces mm-hmm. that come into it. So we're a big chunk of it. We know that there are going to be other places that are going to be exceeding you know than what they're doing is exceed and other sectors that are going to exceed that 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 one and a half so if, if we immediately give up yeah you can only then, keep your own your own house yeah, in order you, exactly you have to keep your own house in order so i i agree with that i'm oh, sorry, sorry please cross i'm really passionate about it 1.5 there is no alternative i agree with what you're saying dad and i get you said you were going to stir the pot but when you look at the impact of 1.5, the impact of 2, the impact of 3. We're getting into the Anthropocene, we're getting into the elements of chaos. Uh, 2 isn't an option. 3 isn't an option. If you overshoot and get to 2.7 and you get into 3, that's huge, huge sort of impact on climate change, biodiversity. The world wouldn't be anywhere near what it was today. Uh, we talked about our children earlier on, or my grand- grandkids. I think we owe it to stick to 1.5. Failure is not an option. We're going to do our bit. And, and uh, that's the sharing of the homework. And, and, and the great news is that the evidence that we're getting is demonstrating that the market can achieve it. Um, and so by virtue of playing that back to everybody and just saying, look, you know, this isn't going to cost an arm and a leg. Well, it's going to cost an arm and a leg if we don't get there. So we've got to think really hard about what we're investing in today in order to achieve it. By being to able to demonstrate, for instance, like I mentioned earlier, that by achieving this, 
you might get a slightly lower interest rate on your on your loan. Now, I can genuinely go out there and say, okay, off the back of knowing how much this construction contract is, how much that money is going to be out for, if I take one and a half, you know, 15 basis points off this, I know exactly how much money I'm going to save as a developer. Now, I can use that money now to decarbonize my decarbonize my building. Because if I don't, I'm going to be paying that over to the bank. Now, that is a real incentive. That is actually beginning to show the value of decarbonizing rather than just the cost. And so it's pricing that carbon, in effect. And as soon as there's a proper carbon price that we all agree um, is something that the market decides, then we can take that money and put it into technology. And you guys, being the clever brains that you are, will come up with more and more technology and cleverer and cleverer ways of ensuring that not only do we, you know, lower the amount of carbon that we put into the buildings, but we then measure the usage of the buildings, make sure that the controls that you put in there are kind of sensitive enough to make sure that the heating isn't running, you know, all day long and so on and so forth. And soon we'll be getting into situations where people will just literally, everyone will have a nest or whatever it is, and, you know, your heating will know when you come home on, you know, and, and it will, your house will actually be smart enough to be able to reduce the amount of energy that you use for, 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 when, you're, for when you're there. And all, I mean, like five years ago, we wouldn't even be dreaming of this. But with AI and the ability to learn people's kind of habits and things like that, that, that what's going to happen in the next five years is going to be another revolution of, uh, uh, you know, using data to help us solve this problem. Um, and a great example of this is is, is Deep Minds, who are here at King's Cross. Um, five years ago, I think it was, they were in literally in twenty five thousand square feet down in in the next to the German gym, mm. and they're now in like three hundred and fifty or four hundred thousand square foot. They've exploded. The first thing that happened to them was when um, Google bought them. They said, "Run your algorithms over our energy bill," and I th- I'm told they saved something like somewhere between seventy five and a hundred million dollars a year just by running the algorithms across the, the entire Google estate. Now, that was wasted energy. That's just energy that is literally going into thin air, and that's carbon that's going into thin air, which isn't even... That's before you even start trying to think about clever ways of, 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 of changing the technology. But I mean, that was just through usage. Now, all that behavioral piece is going to be, you know, be, 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 be driven by people like yourself. That's it, come up. It's interesting you say that as well, because, you know, we're talking about trying to get buildings to net zero carbon, trying to use a standard to align that. That's great. That's what we want to do. But in the meantime, until, I mean, it's taken, how long is it now that the, the net zero carbon building standard has been since the it's original? It's about a year, a year, year and a half. And no, no wonder it's, it's taken that amount of time to bring that number of people together to, to kind of work on this level of complexity to get something that's relatively straightforward out the other end of it. Um, but in the meantime, carbon emissions are cumulative. John mentioned before about, um, uh, sorry, Dan mentioned that we might, as a country, be exceeding the carbon emission targets to get to 1.5 degree. Um, so we've got to do something about things now. Um, and yet we're looking for buildings to get to net zero carbon and use the standard when it comes out. But there's still things that we should be doing and could be doing today. Interesting to find what learning comes from all of the data that you've collected in the writing of the standard to try and help people who maybe can't go straight to a net zero carbon building tomorrow, but they could use the learning. Um, and it'd be interesting to see how that, talking about sharing homework, 
how all of the people have been working on the standard and you know the standard owners, should we say, to share that out so that people can start to make improvements on their journey towards net zero. So, so, so all the data is going to be is completely open source and is going to be published really as part of it. So yeah, you're absolutely right. We don't expect everybody, you know, on kind of. Um, April the you know fifth, the day after we published to go right. That's it. We're now now our portfolio is compliant. We're ready. It's not going to happen like that. It's going to take a long time for the uh, for people to understand. Some people will be going. Well, I'm already doing this. I hope they are because that's that's why that's how the standard's been set in the first place by by understanding what's happening in in out there in the real in the real world. Um, so I do hope that a lot of people will actually go. Actually, do you know what? This isn't so. There's yeah. You know, I thought it was going to be something magical, but it isn't because this is common. You know, the whole point is this is common practice and best practice. So it's there already. Um, others will look at it and go, well, like, okay, I've got a portfolio of X. How many of my, my assets can I get there this year? How many can I get there in five years' time? How many can I get there in 10 years' time? That's fine. I mean, you know, it's all about that trajectory to 2050. We don't expect it to happen overnight and we don't expect the technology to be there overnight either but again if we all know what we're aiming for and we're all measuring it the same way we've got a co- we, we're all talking the same language and that i think is going to be something that we've that the bit that we've been missing is the you know the, the fact that a banker is talking the same language as an architect who might be talking the same language as you guys who are doing manufacturing the pieces of kit that's a magical moment. Panacea. It's a panacea. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have an invite to that bar. That's yeah. sure. <laughs> Probably the most boring bar in the world. <laughs> yeah. No, they don't at all. Maybe I'll give that one a miss. We'll see. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to ask about maybe you know using your crystal ball. Who do you think are going to be early adopters of this standard? And we spoke a lot about the incentives as to why they will be early adopters, whether that's to do with green loans, whether that's because they have their own SBI targets, and also we see, because it's self-policing, people want to be seen to do the right thing. John, you always mentioned um, about risk and it's mitigating risk. We know that. But then from, from, from your perspective, um, incentives for, for early adopters and who do you think that might be? I mean, I, I genuinely think the whole industry is an early adopter. I mean, just, just from the fact that the amount of interest we've had, the sponsorship we've had from people like yourselves, mm-hmm. you know, right through to, to you know, the, 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 the big REITs, the, 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 the big pension funds, other big developers, architects, you know, that everybody is adopting it already as we, you know, it's not like we're sitting around going, oh yeah, we won't, let's, let's, let's hurry up and do lots of non, you know, non net zero stuff until that standard comes out and tells us we can't do it anymore. People are already doing it. That's the whole point. Um, so I, I, I mean, I think, I think maybe I can move the question rather to the early adopter, who can I see as the people who are going to be most, perhaps most successful through adopting it. And I think it's going to be around data. I think the people who understand, who genuinely look to understand what's going on in their building, in, yeah. in their assets, rather than the ones who have just kind of designed it and gone, yeah, that's fine. I'm, you know, I'll come back in five years and and, and, and maybe collect, collect the rent and see, you know, and hope that nothing goes wrong in the meantime. So developers that will own their asset rather than sell it. And, and investors and, and big, the big portfolio owners, the, the pension funds and all the rest of it. These, these guys are more and more into... Um, you know, buildings are just, you know, you're not getting those long leases with come up, but only rent reviews, five years, come back in five years. It's, it really is genuinely people are understanding what's going on within their buildings. 
um, there, you know, whether it's whether it's co-living, whether it's co-working, whether it's, you know, all these, you know, these are the people who genuinely know what's happening. The more they know, the more they will be able to adapt and adopt and change gradually in order to be able to. It makes sense. I, I big advocate that we talk about the EPC, we mentioned it earlier. You can see DECs and the importance of proving that data, shouting from the the rooftops about it every year. From the green rooftops. David, do you think in that case, everything, you know, being data-led, I'm all for it. I think it's great. Um, do you think the industry might have a skills gap there? We, we, we might see some new job roles coming out, data scientists in development, but perhaps we're going to see data scientists with, within the construction industry. Um, I hope so. Yeah, I really do. I mean, I think this is a revolution that's coming. I think, I think you know, how we use our energy is as important as getting a roof over our heads now. It's no longer just about, oh, yeah, well, you know, um, property is just about staying dry. Property is about staying green and making sure that you, that, that, that the way you stay warm, the way you stay cool and, and everything is done in a responsible fashion. And the only way to do that is to measure it. And that's where it's coming. So, you know, I'm sure you see this in your own industry as well. I mean, how much, you know, you're relying on on the feedback of the data, whereas previously you might just kind of, you know, have have, have just produced something and pushed it out the door and, 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 and let it sit there. You know, look 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 at where Tesla's going, look at look at where all those, you know, manufacturers are going nowadays, Rolls Royce, people like that. It's all about product and the life of that product it's not you know the point of sale is not the end of it is it it's the point it's the usage that matters and 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 property has to catch up with that and property has to take all of that lot on board yeah, i hate so. to sound corporate but you know the idea is that we don't sell a product we're trying to sell a solution exactly and i know it's no, you are right you are right that's the idea isn't it and it's not a transactional thing where you do it and that's the end of it you that asset uh, that piece of equipment is there for a period at the end of its life what we do with it then how do we repurpose it recycle it recover it reclaim the information and um you know learn so that the next time it's applied we do it a little bit better and we need to apply that same thinking to our buildings and you know a lot of developers you know the old am i allowed to say build it and off yeah. um <laughs> would just go that's it I've, i don't need to bother with this any longer i've finished i've got to you know sign, sign the lease sign sign that sign that you know it's your problem now that's not like that anymore so 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 the responsible um property owners the investors and and developers realize they could be these these assets are going to be around in 5 10 15 years time and if they are stranded they've got a real problem uh, or we've got a real problem so so we need to build into everything that we do the ability to to ensure that we can measure the 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 performance of them and I, I, that will change the way we the way we deliver assets it's familiar with Tesla almost it's the opposite of a stranded asset that the 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 additional value that comes with a net zero building yes all those other things that you can talk about and it should, it should be easier to let. It should be easier to relet. It should be easier to refurbish. It should be easier to repaint if necessary. Yeah, absolutely. These and these buildings, you know, are going to be around for 20, 30, 50, you know, a hundred years. I hope now people aren't building buildings on the basis that they're going to knock them down in twenty years' time and kind of re. So, so, so we can be so bespoke with them. Every, every, yeah, buildings are for life now. They really are. No, no, really just. <laughs> I mean, I'm excited to the thought of of, the, of of this. You know going live so on on that note david just before we wrap up 
give us the timelines, the next steps. When are we expecting to see this? Um... Yes, sorry, I've, I alluded to it, I think, in, in the conversation. Um, so we hope that in December we'll be publishing our next quarterly update, which will tell everybody... Um, Thanks, Ed, by the way, to all your all your listeners who who, who have responded to the uh, to the technical consultation and the questionnaire, which came out over the summer. We will, will be playing back all the results to the questions that were asked. Then we will be able to, at that point, I hope, have come up with some preliminary ideas around where the targets and the limits and the performance levels are sitting. Um, and then by the end of Q1 next year, we hope to use having having gone out and done some engagement during January, Feb to go out to the market and say, look, here's where we think we're going. Please tell us whether this will work for you. Um, uh, take that on board. The intention is to publish uh, what we call a beta testable version at the end of um, Q1 next year. And then once that's been tested, we hope to be able to then publish you know, the final version thereafter. As I say, that'll be in the sectors where we've got the most data. If there are areas where we simply don't feel we've got enough kind of um, evidence, we will make everybody clear about that and then we'll partic- you know, target getting data in those ones so that we can backfill them quickly as well. So that, that's the plan. So yeah, it's been 18 months, but it feels like it's gone by in late all. And when you say, as you say, it is a monumental task and when you see all that data, I realize just how much, and again, please to all your listeners, anybody else, the, you know how grateful we are for the way the industry has really come behind this and the amount of um uh, uh, uh kind of support we've had from everybody it's been phenomenal it wouldn't it wouldn't be what it is and it couldn't be what it is mm. without without that collaboration so we're we're certainly yeah. hugely uh, hugely grateful for us really epitomized um a collaborative approach and john as you say we've we've all shared our homework so just reiterate what david said Thanks very much. Um, I started the, the podcast by saying the standard, perhaps one of the most eagerly anticipated pieces of work the industry never knew it needed. Um, well, hopefully post this podcast, you all know now why we need it and, and when to get it and how we're going to be able to use it. So David, thank you so much for, for, for joining us um, today. I appreciate we've stolen seven minutes more of your time than you allocated this podcast, but it's been great. If I can ask listeners to to, to join David in, in shouting about the UK Net Zero Com building standard by sharing, following, liking, engaging across the usual social media platforms. Um, Chris, John, thanks very much for join, joining today's session. I hope you uh, found it insightful. Thank you as always for, for your inputs. This has been the Ask Me podcast. Thanks very much for listening. <laughs>